0: Welcome to Elise's Point, Conversation Edition. I'm your host, Elise Squirrel, mental performance consultant and sport karate athlete. Join me as I talk sport karate related topics with guests inside and outside of the sport. My guest this week is Trevor Nash. Trevor is the owner of the United Family Martial Arts franchise in Southern Ontario. Although the sport karate community tends to recognize Trevor as one of the greats when it comes to point fighting, this is a unique interview because not many people recognize him for his talents as a coach. Although I admire Trevor for his skill within the ring, I have primarily known him as a coach, and he is actually my current coach. This week's topic is coaching, and we discuss Trevor's experiences and perspectives on coaching within sport karate so thank you for being here it's great to have a perspective of a coach as well as someone who used to compete plus um Plus obviously you owe me so many favors, so it's just uh, yeah.
1: I'll remember that.
0: <laughs> nice to have you on. <laughs> okay. So with every interview, I like to start with um pretty basic questions just as a warm-up. When did you start karate? Uh
1: I started karate when I was four. So 1985. Oh god, I just gave my how old I am.
0: It's okay, that was my plan with that's my plan with everyone.
1: <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: Um, why did you get into karate?
1: Uh, my father was looking for some kind of activity or sport for me to participate in. Um, I watched, uh, some actually karate based movies and I seemed to enjoy it. So, uh, my father took me around to some karate schools, ended up settling on Jocelyn's martial arts. And, uh, I started there when I was four, went till I was 12 and then moved on to a couple other schools and ended up owning my own. Mm-hmm.
0: Why did you stay in karate?
1: Why did I stay in karate? Um, as a kid, I'm not really sure. So, like from four to seven or eight, I'm not really sure why I stayed into it. Like, I, like I enjoyed it, um, but when I started competing, is when I actually fell in love with the sport. So I started competing when I was eight, and then, you know, started falling in love with it. the sp- The sparring side of it more than any of it, anything else. But I did cut in weapons. Uh, all the way up until I was 13, I actually won a weapons title. One out of and weapons, one, but I did. So, there you go.
0: You just ended it there.
1: I ended it there. I was like, yeah, I'm retiring in that session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, I don't want to say I didn't like uh, because I do. I do give a lot of my credibility to my sparring from learning cut it and weapons and being able to, t- you know work the balance, work the core, work the kicking, work the flexibility, all that, uh, I didn't – I preferred the interaction with another person, right? I preferred that – that sparring gives me that interaction um, that's not based off of somebody else's opinion in my, my statement, so.
0: What was different between competing and, like, actually just, like, learning, uh, like martial arts I
1: got arts. to measure my goals I got to measure where I was at um so when I didn't do well at a tournament uh, and you know that was a lot when I was younger uh, I came Jocelyn's back then was a kickboxing school um, so when I went to point fighting tournaments I was getting warnings and disqualified because I was hitting too hard or all that kind of stuff. So I had to adapt. And then once I started to adapt, I was able to measure, you know, yes, I got faster here or, you know, this combination was working better or my kicking ability was getting better. So I was able, it was able to measure. Um, and now as a dad, I've able to implement that into my two kids, I've been able to implement as a coach into my fighters and I seem to get a better response out of them when they have measurable goals that they're attaining. If it's just train and not compete and not see where you're at, the, the level of progression is actually slower.
0: So I must drive you nuts. You
1: drive me crazy.
0: (laughs) That's okay. I'm a different person. I'm like the laziest competitor out there. Not lazy. No,
1: that's the wrong choice of words. Picky picky. I will go with that one.
0: Okay, so when I say coaching and karate, what are your immediate thoughts?
1: My immediate thoughts goes to interacting with people on a one-to-one basis in sparring. That is my immediate thought. Now, that is not a true statement about karate because I think karate, you teach karate and you coach athletes. I think that's kind of how I feel.
0: Okay, I'm not really sure I understand the one-on-one
1: Uh, Okay, so um, let me give you, for instance, if I am in a sparring, competitive sparring class, I coach each athlete. So I'm not teaching everybody in that class. I go to each athlete and say, this is the area you need to improve on, or this is the technique you've got to focus on. So I'm giving each athlete, so I'm coaching each athlete. It's not standing in front of the sparring class and going, we're doing a jab cross front kick today, and this is how we're doing it. And I'm not Doing it that way. So that's where I see the difference in teaching karate and coaching karate.
0: Difference. Okay. So, what are your experiences with competing and coaching?
1: Can you be more specific? Like, are you asking about me being like when younger now? Like, what? Like, do you want it all?
0: Well, if we'll we be were, here for four I was hours. Say, we would be here forever <laughs> if it was all. So, if I have to make it, Specific um, Competing And coaching So I guess
1: I'll say this If you want I'll give you something While you're thinking there Like When I was competing And coaching At the same events I found it super difficult Because it's To me it was Two different mindsets Two different um, Prepping of the brain To be prepared I'm a I'm an angry fighter When I fight And I can't be An angry coach So it takes me time To adjust from coaching and being supportive and making sure my athletes are doing the best of their ability to having to go spar it's completely different mindsets and i had a difficult time doing that i also had a difficult time with parents understanding why that was difficult so that made it even you know even more because you know i was trying to get focused and warmed up for my events and parents are pulling me left right and center going that their kids more important than myself is competing and you know rightfully so, because my athlete should have been more important than myself at that point. But I didn't see it when I was young, right? Because I started coaching and competing when I was like 17, 18. So I hadn't matured yet.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also hard when you're also focused on getting to that next level as a competitor. Like your goals seem to be like kind of um, colliding at that point.
1: Oh, there's yeah. I I had taken on a lot. At that point, and I, I'm sure as you know, I'm a very competitive person. So it doesn't matter what I do in life, I've got to win at everything. And if I'm not, I get very driven and focused on that to figure it out why I'm not winning. So, you know, I wanted a successful karate school. I wanted a successful franchise. I wanted to be a successful fighter. I wanted to be a successful coach. It was just there was a lot at that plate at that time, a lot of juggling. mm Hmm.
0: Do you enjoy coaching?
1: Uh, I, I yes, coaching is what kept me in karate longer than I ever thought uh, it would. If I had to just, and, and this is going to sound bad, and I don't mean it to sound bad, if I had to just teach karate every day in and out, I'm not sure I would have lasted as long as I have. Coaching is what's kept me involved because coaching is that that individual you get to you get to help. Not that you don't help in teaching, and not that you're not improving life skills for people not that you're improving you know their ability and stuff but at, at the coaching level it's a one-on-one so you get to see milestones maybe faster maybe that's what it, it is it's a faster process but it, it, i guess it does sound bad but coaching is what's kept me involved in karate
0: no i don't think it's bad i think that everyone has a preference like mm-hmm. just... oh yeah i'm
1: not teaching weapons i've tried that that didn't work out
0: Ah. <laughs> I can't even do weapons, so I wouldn't, yeah. Over my head. But I don't think it's bad to want, like, to pursue another avenue. But it's also not saying, oh, karate's stupid.
1: No no I no definitely not saying karate super karate isn't, no. is important and if I didn't do the teaching of the karate I wouldn't become a good coach you know I think it's just evolution right like you know I've I've taken what I've learned from teaching karate into coaching to be able to coach the athletes and I've actually taken that and now implemented it into you know I'm now coaching football and I'm now coaching you know wrestling stuff and it's 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 it definitely gave me a very good foundation to be able to evolve into other things.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, it's so interesting that you're talking about this because I had an interview with my PhD supervisor, Maureen Connolly, and she was saying with because she's all about like the fundamental movement stuff comes from a gymnastics background. And she's like, the higher you get with gymnastics, like the less there is with like versatile of movement, like you have to be more exact. So you have you, there's less ways of being right. There's like one way of being sure. right at that point. yeah. But she said that with coaching and like sparring, especially because there's that other person, the strategy part expands. Sure it does. Yeah.
1: But I think that also makes, shows why um, um, gymnastics is in the Olympics because they've got a very strict structure to follow where you come to sport karate We'll never, ever make it there. Even though that we are in the in the Olympics now with with the traditional cutters and, and, and the little bit of sparring that they're trying to introduce, it, it's still not going to be a mainstream thing because there's such a huge verse of rules and abilities, and this is better than that, and, you know, opinions.
0: Yes, there are opinions. I meant more, but, like, I don't think that's bad. Like, with strategy... Strategy is so unique in that way where like you you find the loophole and it's within the rule set like that's great Performance sports are a little bit different because obviously you have to look
1: Agreed and I'm not I'm not saying necessarily that I don't think karate can do it I think karate can do it But the problem is is there's too many people saying this is the rule to follow or this is the only way you can score or this, like, that's why we go to Taekwondo, you know, they have specific spots you got to hit, specific what things you got to throw. That And then that's what I mean. Point sparring or our sport karate that we do, we'll never get to that point.
0: I also think, though, that it makes it, that's what makes it unique. I realize what you're saying, but I think that, you know, the point that we don't have to be, like, exact is so cool. Like, there's so, so many. So
1: unique. I appreciate that.
0: Yes, take that and make it about yourself. That is... Okay. Um, I'm just joking. It's okay. Anyways, it's unique in that way because it's not about how you're throwing the technique. It's literally like, what can I do to score points?
1: Oh, I, I strongly believe you can have, you know, the world's talented... Fighter, the fastest, the, you know, the best kicking, the best blitzing, but a smarter fighter can always beat them because those are outthink them because mm-hmm. our sport. So ex- it is explosive. It is movement. It is, you know, a, a game of tag almost in a sense, but I can outthink you and still win. Mm hmm. So I agree with you. Strategy is important. And I agree. And, and, you know, if I didn't love what we did, I would not have stayed with karate. I would have moved to something else if that was the Olympic approach that I was trying to go to, if that's what yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, me too. About. No,
0: I'm right. on the same.
1: Yeah. Like I love our sport and I love that, you know, I, I also, you know, I miss some of our leagues that we compete in. You know, you get that 10 second coaching moment. I love those because you can see the adaption in a lot of your fighters adapting. When you don't get that opportunity to do that, you don't see the adaption in our sport because it's not long enough. Two minutes is not long enough.
0: No, but I think that's what makes it so exciting too. True. Very true. I honestly think it's so it's such a sophisticated sport that people really don't give it enough credit. They just see it and think it's like... That's the problem I have with the game of tag, I think. It's like, I don't, well, first of all, I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. That's the problem. But I think saying the game of tag kind of simplifies what we do, Mm -hmm. which drives me nuts.
1: Well, hide and seek better?
0: It's not hide and seek. (laughs) What are you doing? You're right in the open uh, in the ring.
1: I'm hiding what I want to hit you with, or I'm hiding. Come on, work with me here.
0: All of that. Well, if that catches on, <laughs> we all know who to thank.
1: Just it's because I'm unique.
0: I'll make you a badge or something. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Unique. You're also like stigmatizing that word, but whatever. <laughs> okay. So I think I've been with your organization since 2014. So that's coming up to like seven-ish years at this point. If... My math is correct. And I still think we're going strong, but it really does depend on the day, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I have always appreciated your coaching and have recognized the way you coach has helped me progress. Really, it has. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've also observed how in the last five years, you have learned a lot and improved upon your own coaching ability and your own process
1: i i i learn every day with coaching like I, I first off i appreciate you saying what you've said about you you're, you're seeing progress in yourself that's appreciative a lot of a lot of athletes and not that i'm looking for praise but a lot of athletes don't normally say that so i greatly appreciate it um now to go to your question i improve every day i mean and it's 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 not about proving the technique or changing the the strategy with you know the basic rules of sparring it's improving how to interact with different people I, I like you know one athlete they might be doing a crappy job that day and all they need is is a a praise and that will spin them around other athletes need to be yelled at to get motivated to do something other athletes need to have a challenge put in front of them and and you learn that every day and I learn new tricks every day with athletes trying you know I mean some I've tried with, with athletes that just don't work you know example you know for yourself coaching you in the ring if I yell at you for doing something wrong, it ain't gonna do us any good, either one of us in that situation. You're better off to understand what's what's happening or what's being done to you. Whereas if I say that to another fighter like uh, Hunter, for instance, he if I tell him what's going on, he's not going to adjust fast enough. I'm better off just to tell him what to do. Right? So there's you know, and, and each fighter's different and each person's different. So I so I learn every day how to work angles and work tricks to get these people to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. I also think people change over time, too. So, like, you could be doing something with Hunter now, but it might not work in— I'm not saying in the me- the immediate <clears throat> future. No,
1: no, I understand that. And and, I, and I'm not going to disagree with it because we all do change for uh, 100%. I just don't know how much we change under pressure in the heat of the moment. Meaning, at a high-intense fight, is he going to resort back to what— is Hunter from what he's practiced for years, or at least what she's practiced for years. And, you know, we see it in all our fighters, right? It gets a high pressure situation, or they lose their head, they tend to make choices that they think <laughs> think is best, and just do it. And it's not necessarily the best.
0: You can break that. Just saying, as a mental consultant here, I can tell you, you can break that. But it takes a lot of time.
1: okay. So here's my question for you. If you can break that and you can get somebody in a high-pressure situation in a a very important 30 seconds of their life for that point or whatever it may be, there has to be triggers. And how do you get that trigger to happen if you can't have that eye contact or that whatever it is that you need that trigger? How do you get that to happen?
0: For that fighter? Yeah. The fighter, like, I'm honestly thinking that fighters have to become a lot more smarter. They have to be aware what like if it's like they go down a path and it's like, oh, wow, I've been here before because as a fighter, like definitely I have (laughs) been in that situation where it's just like I get hit um, in a particular way and it's like all of a sudden Elise isn't making any smart decisions anymore. But I realize that, and the point is, is that you have to realize it to want to change it.
1: But now that that situation's past, though, you like you've realized it, and the situation's you past. So to, how, yeah, like, it so takes how do, practice. Hmm?
0: I'm not saying, oh, wow, well. you can
1: adapt a situation. I get that. I just don't know if you can. In that situation, something happens, triggers your natural response. I don't know, and I could be wrong here. I'm just, it's just how I've always experienced it. Yeah. Maybe.
0: You have to practice it. Oh. It can't be in one of those situations where it's like, you know, game winning basket and you have to do it. It's like, you like, that's where all these like voodoo, uh, <laughs> Lucky mental consumption consultant stuff comes in where it's like, you have to visualize oh, yeah. this scenario. No, I'm serious. Like you. No, have to I, do
1: it. I I actually think visualization is super important. I just don't know if that helps that situation.
0: I'm telling you, it does.
1: Okay. I, I, you are I the genius. I can give you the science. You are the genius. Actually, I am there's, not.
0: there's more stuff. It's interesting, and we've totally gone off the interview, but Excellent. it's interesting. This is classic Trevor Nash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually very interesting because there is research... That is coming up with playing under pressure. However, in my argument, and you know, I'm not, it's not my expertise of research. So, but as an athlete, I can be like, pressure is so hard to, if you're doing it in a lab, it's hard to mimic. Mm -hmm. You like, it's so hard to get to that point. So it's like, it's hard to study it.
1: I don't think you can get the reps. No. In situation. And that's the problem. You need reps to change. Yeah. Right? And, and the only way you're going to get that high pressure situation, because the high pressure situation is only going to happen once every third or fourth tournament. Mm-hmm. It's, so, you know, if we're in an elite who tr- does one tournament a year or two, it's hard to get those reps in. Right? So, do you like that? A little under the bus.
0: Yeah, it was great.
1: <laughs> it.
0: Oh, I'm just like, I'm not going to change at this point because <laughs> I'm I am not you to change. I'm
1: not asking you to change.
0: Oh, whatever. That one's going to get cut out of the interview. <laughs> okay. So we'll go to this question. Getting back on topic, because we're talking about coaching individuals, we are talking about how coaching has changed and how you have had to adapt. Let's talk about Gen Z athletes.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: They're born after 1996, you millennial. Okay. Yes. So this is the group that are completely...
1: So 20-year-olds.
0: Yeah. So it's kay. the ones that are being competitive right now. Okay. This is a group that is completely different than other groups who have gone through sport because they are arguably the best educated generation and are the first generation of youth who have grown up surrounded by by technology and the digital environment. This makes Gen Zers excellent technology users, but they also have high expectations for success, short attention spans, poor communication skills, and an inability to deal with adversity.
1: I agree with all of that.
0: Yes, I know. This is research.
1: <laughs> OK, so where's the question? Yeah.
0: Patience, Trevor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, on it. I'm um, on it. Do you find that there is a change in the way that you have to coach this group of athletes versus other group of groups of athletes? Uh,
1: there's definitely from, I, I guess, if they're the 30 year olds now compared to the 20 year olds, if that's what we're looking at. Uh, I yeah, there's a different, there's a huge shift in change. And even when I was being the athlete, being coached, there was a shift and change. Um, Our athletes have gotten softer, which means that there's a lot more praise needed. Um, I've also noticed that that they need to they need those goals faster. And I don't know if that's probably because of the technology, because everything comes so much faster.
0: High expectations for success.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I know when I was being coached. Um the one main coach that I was at, at at my big turning point of ability was was Jim flood and you know he he was able I don't, I don't I never got praised ever now that could be just my own mentality and maybe I just didn't see the praising but I look at everybody else that I trained with at that time uh in the club setting from like Matt parents to sandy Sabriza to um Danny Griffith to like, there was just like all those and they were older than me. They're older than I am and not, nobody got praise. It was always, here's what you did wrong. Correct it. If you don't correct it, I'm going to kick you in the head until you make the correction. You know what I mean? And then, you know, when I start coaching, I, you know, obviously that's what I had learned is I had started with that and, you know, I had to soften it a little bit because it didn't work with my, that generation, but I could very much be direct to the point. Here's what you did wrong. The stupid decision. Here's what you need to fix. You know, the, the big thing I used to say back then was, if you weren't first, then you're a loser because everything else doesn't matter. And side note to that, I still believe that because the second place is just the first loser. But if I was to say that now to that group of twenty year olds, it's not it's not going to register. It's not going to motivate them. It's not going to take them to where they need to be mentally to continue to learn that class or that. That sparring session that we do, so it's 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 soft soften up a lot culturally wise.
0: Hmm. Do you think there's any benefits within this group? Like I think they do bring. Not saying you know.
1: Oh, I don't think this is a bad group because I do. <clears throat> I do think this group processes faster. I do think they process faster. I, I I don't think this group's tougher, but I do think this group's got more athletically ability kids in it than I had before. You know. Now, again, to go back to, you know, point sparring has evolved over 30 years. You know, back when I was competing as a 20-year-old, kick, kick, punch, punch, won the event, right? It's just whoever could do kick, kick, punch, punch better. And then, you know, you watch the evolution of it go from kick, kick, punch, punch, angle changes to kick, kick, punch, punch, pulling fighters to, you know, it, it's 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 evolved, as I think anything does. So there's definitely the, the group that we have now, the 20-year-olds, I forget what you called them.
0: Gen Zers,
1: Gen Zers. I've I haven't never even heard of that. They, they're definitely got advantages over back then, but back then I think they were tougher fighters. And I think I think every, let's call it decade, everybody's going to say that. You go back to like the Billy Blanks and and you know Bill Superfoot Wallace people. They're going to say that it was tougher and harder back then. We're all going to say that, but I I do believe it.
0: Right, but it's a totally different game.
1: Oh, it's a completely different game. It's funny. I'm working. With- uh, Sandy Sabriza just started coming back and training with us. And it's funny working with him because he was in my group of competing wise and he still got the mentality that we had 30 years ago. Well, that's probably too far. 20 years ago in competing. And it's funny watching that mentality. And, and does it work? It works, but it ain't going to, it's not going to ever take him to the next level. And I'm not saying that Sandy is bad or any of that stuff. So I'm not trying to make it sound bad. I'm just, it's the game's changed. So you, you have to adapt with the game. Mm-hmm. No different than football. You know, go football 20 years ago was all about running. Now it's all about passing. It, it's just evolving.
0: We hmm. also have different value systems as well.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get on that topic. Okay. I'll get myself in trouble. Truth, though. Truth.
0: So, what adaptions have you made for this group?
1: Uh... Definitely more one-on-ones because I can get more out of the athlete one-on-ones, you know, and, and, and I'll explain that one-on-one nearly means two athletes at a time for us, uh, but it's a one-on-one session. I can get more out of the athlete. I get more responses. They adapt faster. Whereas if you go back to when I was working with, you know, the 30 or 40-year-olds now, they needed a group of athletes to, to, to do and progress. It's a, it's a definitely, it's a different style.
0: Why do you think it's important to discuss coaching within karate? Uh, You're
1: going to get me in trouble here too.
0: Well, no. (laughs) Because
1: we don't have – I can, in a handful, tell you how many actual coaches you have in our sport. And the other ones are just instructors that have been here long enough to warrant a position of a coaching position that have no idea how to coach. Right. You get me in that topic, I'm – it's, it, I mean, I'll, not that I haven't burned bridges, bridges before but ath- athletes and coaches you don't have enough coaches to support the athletes right and I'm not saying I'm qualified to coach either because I don't want it to sound like, I, like I've made mistakes I still make mistakes now as a coach but I'm willing to adapt I'm willing to change I'm pretty sure I've produced more world champions than any other Canadian school
0: So it's really interesting that you say that we have, like, there's not enough coaches to support the athletes. And I think that's a fair statement. Truly, I do. I think there's a difference between instructor and coach. I think that's what I'm trying to tell people.
1: I agree. hundred percent.
0: So how can, like, you know, how. How do you improve that? Yeah.
1: I was asking you. Just joking. How do you improve that? You need to have coaches actually work together. Right. The problem is, and, and, and I'm going to go off on my own experience. I'm not going to say that, you know, the entire North America where I spend most of my time coaching, you know, it, it one coach doesn't trust the other coach. Or one coach is scared that this coach is gonna steal that athlete. Or, you know, they they want their athletes to stay in this little bubble and they don't allow them to travel and they don't allow them to go. I allow all my athletes not allow, that's probably the wrong choice of words. I'm okay with all of my athletes going elsewhere in training and going elsewhere getting other feedback. Because in my opinion, they come back they're going to give knowledge that they've learned that's going to help me become a better coach, going to help me understand other people's thought process as coaches, and it allows me to grow. Now, I also allow other students to come into our training sessions that are outside of our group of athletes because, again, you know, it's the only way for us to learn. So if coaches don't allow that, that to happen, then you're, you're only going to get so far. As, 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 a, as a learning, as a coach, as an athlete, you can only get so far. And I'd much rather my athletes, you know, if they don't feel they can learn anything else from me, I'm happy. Because then I've given everything I can to that athlete. And if they need to move on, then they move on. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to, you know, ban them from coming back to my school or, you know, not help them if I have the opportunity to help them again.
0: You know, some people just mesh differently with other people as well. True. True. Like, you no, could tell an athlete to do something about a thousand times and they can hear it from somebody else and just, or just, it.
1: yeah, or just said slightly different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: 100%. Agree with that
0: 110%. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think loyalty, actually, I was thinking about this earlier. Loyalty is great unless, you know, it's it's stopping you from doing something.
1: But what, but, but this is my problem with the co- in this coaching stuff. Loyalty is, is, is is to me, very, very important.
0: Yes, me too. It,
1: it, like it, like it's, it just shows the trust. With that said, if you don't have the trust, then you sh- you don't really have the loyalty. So what's wrong with that athlete going and training somewhere else? Even if they're gone for five years and they come back, like they're still going to come back. They're still going to give you more knowledge. And I think at the end of the day, knowledge is the key. And that's the problem is... is why our sport has not enough coaches is because they don't trust, and I know we're all going to get burned because it it just happens. We all get burned, but you got to let it go and move on.
0: So, what is the biggest obstacle for you as a coach, or for coaching?
1: Let's call it the. Um, young teens to young adults it's the parents
0: hmm.
1: parents is the hardest thing for me and and it's funny being on both sides of that you know my oldest is uh, highly into wrestling and I watch the wrestling events and I watch the wrestling classes and as a coach it's hard I don't want to be that person because I hate it when a parent yells on my floor and I hate it so I don't do it but I always, again, we're parents. We always feel that we know best for our kid, and I, and I, and I'm not reprimanding our parents for for trying to give feedback and trying to make their kid better and trying to give their kid everything they can. But it's that's the biggest barrier between me and the, that group of athletes. Um, for adults, uh, the biggest barrier is is, is probably just. Probably the ability of of how I see it and how they see it. There's a there's a barrier break I think in there, or, 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 or a communication break in there because obviously, you know, I, I think I see it a little bit different than most athletes. So it's so me trying to communicate it sometimes takes two or three sessions, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, now I see what you're saying," and that's just me working on my communication skills probably.
0: That's nice that you are taking a little bit of accountability with that. Oh, I, but I mean, like with like when you're coaching me, it's so frustrating when I'm not getting something for myself. But it's also like and I agree that you're seeing things a lot differently. And that's why I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense most of the time. But I have to understand whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: it. Most of the time.
0: Well, I have to understand <laughs> just, it. I'm just joking. <laughs> I am a genius. So. Oh, I know. Um... I have to understand it to be able to do it, and I know you know that we've, we've 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 had yep. some a lot of arguments about it. Um, not wow. arguments. I was going to say I don't remember having arguments about debates. it. Debates. Oh wow,
1: now it's a debate. Hold on, ref. We'll be right back. We need five minutes to debate this out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It feels a lot different. That's the thing. That's the key that I find is that like I'm doing something, and I'm like. It feels differently than what you're seeing.
1: Oh, and, and 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 I think that's where it comes down to is is I I understand that statement, and that's the communication part that is the toughest because I'm seeing it, and I am definitely not feeling it. But I've been there. I've been in that situation, so I'm able to go. I know what it feels like. This is the counter. I know it's going to maybe feel different at first because it's not a, it's not a basic lift your knee kick kind of process or just straight blitz. I get that, and I have. And I think for me, as a communication thing is I don't know how to communicate that it's going to be okay. I need to figure out a better way sometimes to communicate that. Right. Other than just do this. Makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't tell me to just do something.
1: Yeah. We need six reasons why. Yeah. Maybe nine.
0: Got one in. Good for you. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I don't... I, I truly think as... As I evolved as an athlete, too, to, that stopped working a really long time ago sure. for myself. So it's been, yeah, refreshing working with trying to understand the process. And blah,
1: blah, blah. I think if you understand the process, you can make better decisions quicker. If you don't understand it, then you're just, you're still reacting and right. you don't want to react. You want to be. In my opinion, in our sport, you need to be dictating. And dictating doesn't mean always going forward. It just means dictating what's happening next or setting up the next shift in the ring or what that player is going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I like saying controllability.
1: Why is that? Because you like to be the genius words?
0: no. Because no. <laughs> I'm trying to be an expert. That's all. No, I think that's a good way of saying it. Two more questions. You that good? okay? Yeah. Okay. How are you feeling about it so far?
1: I think it's, it's actually not what I actually anticipated, uh, but I think it's good. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really good. I'm and if somebody doesn't yeah. listen to this and get something from it, it would blow my mind.
0: I think there's going to be a lot of people like that. It's the ones that do get something from it that I'm doing it for. So. And, and,
1: and that's a great thing, but I go back to This is the whole problem back to the coaching statement that we just talked about you know I can name you 10 people instantaneously that are that are so called coaches that will listen to this and think it's completely wrong and I'm not saying that I'm right either I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I'm right either I'm just saying that there has to be some kind of something that I'm doing has to make it better and in stuff that they're doing is working because they have athletes too that are very talented and very gifted at what they do so they're doing and I try and watch and I try and listen to what they're doing so I can adapt mine I'm not saying my way is the best way my way is the highway i'm not saying that and this is this is i go back to why wrestling is in the olympics there's one coach and there's one set of rules and there's one way of doing it and and these are how it gets laid out now strategy is still involved in all that and how you play the system is still involved in all that but there's coaching clinics there's certain you know I'm going to go jump to football because it's all the stuff I had to do to be, be a football coach. You know, we had safe contact. You had safe tackle. You had, you know, uh, um, equipment sizing up proper. Like, there's courses you have to take. Our sport does not have that. So, there's no guidelines for this. Anyways, good rant. Good rant.
0: Yeah. There's also a lot of money to be made in that area if anyone wants to do it. So.
1: And I disagree with you. I don't think there's any money to be made oh. there. And the reason I don't think there's any money is because tell me what any of these coaches will jump aboard. And, and, and I'll be even more with it. Um, Waco in Canada Maz runs that uh, and he's got coaching clinics to be a coach. Right? And you gotta pay for it. And he can't make it fly. Now I could be wrong and, and Maz can correct me if I'm wrong but you know, he can't make it fly. There's no money to be made in that because nobody wants to do it because there's no requirement to do it. Right? you know my sister went to fight at at the world combat games which is like the step toward trying to get into the olympic side of it and it was all under wacko and she said hey do you want to come coach i said yeah i'll come coach for sure and i would have had to do all the courses to get to be a coach and i didn't have a problem doing that the problem is i didn't have the time frame that she had to go to compete to be able to do that so i wasn't able to coach her but jeff smith went and coached her Because he had already had the qualifications So it make it, It's there I, I So if it's there And people aren't taking advantage Because there's not a requirement for it Then there's no money to be made Right My opinion
0: I don't think it's a bad thing To like do that kind of stuff anyways Like people don't like Requiring to do stuff But like
1: But, it, but, but that's the only way The system's gonna get better Only way the system's gonna get better
0: Honestly with any of that stuff I'm like you either become more confident within your knowledge or you learn something. 100%. Yeah. There's really not any negatives with going to assess your knowledge. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shout out to Jeff Smith, by the way.
1: He's my buddy. Yeah. He's a skydiver now, eh?
0: Yes, I know. It's not like I don't know who he is. Oh, uh. he like, introduces himself. Hello, my name is Jeff Smith and I skydive.
1: He does, he does. <laughs> he also gives people Doritos t shirts.
0: Yes, I know, I still have it. <laughs> I think he, uh, it was good that he knew how to bond with me. That's just a good <laughs> coaching. Yep. That's just good uh, qualities as a coach.
1: Absolutely,
0: least you're not supposed to eat Doritos before you compete well I'm going to eat Doritos before I compete well I'm going to make you a t-shirt to shame you <laughs> didn't work <laughs> still my favorite shirt okay so what is the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to coaching
1: that it's easy I think I noticed it more when I went on the football field and I do karate because I don't, again, we, karate coaches don't tend to interact. But when we get on the football field, everybody thinks it's super easy to coach and they give you all their feedback without even being on the field. So then when we bring them out on the field to help us coach, they don't realize how difficult it becomes to coach. So and again, I think I go back to the barrier we were talking about. Or the difficulty for me with that young group when the parents step in is the parents try and coach the kids too. And without having and I'm not again go back to I understand it. I get why they do it. But if you've never done the sport or you've never even stepped on the mat, you don't understand the pressure that these kids are under. And when you have a fourteen inch foot coming at you, you know, it's gonna make it difficult. That's yeah. it's gonna make it difficult to make quick and right decisions. So it takes time and parents sometimes don't understand that.
0: Okay. So is there anything you would like to add or that you are wondering about as a result of this interview? No,
1: I just, I, I just hope it goes well for you at the end of the day. I mean, I hope it goes well and I hope that you can, you can make a change if it's for an athlete to understand how the coaches are thinking, or the other coaches are, there understanding how athletes are. I hope that you, you can, you know, get this out there, and, and it makes it makes a difference. You know, our sport. To me, you know, obviously, I love the sport, and or I wouldn't have done it for my entire life. It's important, and I think it needs to be around. But I also feel it's dying because of these things that we talked about today. You know, our sport needs our, our sport needs some. Fresh blood in it. I was in an interview with um, Jeff Doss and Alex Dingman, and you know, I talked about. It. I, I do feel our sports dying, and our sports dying because we're not allowing our athletes to grow and adapt. We're trying to hold them back, and when you hold them back in that small pond, then the pond never gets bigger. We need. We need to. We need to adapt. We need to adjust. You know, and so many athletes I find nowadays, compared to when I started, they're they're a two or three sport athlete. They're not a one individual sport athlete. So you need to, to accept that and allow the cross training to happen. You know, I, I Nate started wrestling when he was three and a half four, uh, and he was doing good. But when I saw him really take leaps and bounds, was when he started doing football because there was the cross training. Um, that thing, you're doing things in football that you wouldn't do in wrestling and vice versa. And it just made him a better athlete It made him understand more, especially more so from a individual sport to a team sport. There's a huge barrier there. Right. And karate kind of, in my opinion, sits in the middle of that because you are part of a team because you need training partners and you need the team to support you. And you need all that, you know, commitment to each other, to, to, to to, to to continue to grow but when it comes down to it, you step in the ring it's just you, so it is an individual sport, but you need you have a team behind you, it's it's an interesting karate sits in the middle, and a lot of other like wrestling is the same thing, and those kind of combat sports maybe is the better way to say it, unlike ping pong I'm not sure if there's a team behind ping pong but it doesn't seem like there would be Sorry, I messed like, the face. For? Don't
0: belittle other sports. <laughs> I'm not belittling.
1: I, I I'm assuming that there's not you know I get that we need practice partners, but it's it to me it's not a team sport.
0: That could be a true statement.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not a ping pong actor Maybe I should have used darts.
0: So um, my last question is: How can people get in contact with you if you want them to get in contact with you? We know that Trevor Nash likes to live under a <laughs> rock sometimes, which is fine. So how can people get in contact with you if they want to learn from you or if they want to continue this conversation?
1: Uh, the, the best way to, is to reach out to any one of my schools. So just ufma.ca. It'll list all the United, United Family Martial Art Franchise Schools. Pick any one of them. Call them. Leave a message at that school and I will get the message they all relay messages to me okay that's the easiest
0: yep it's probably the truest it is because mm-hmm.
1: i won't respond in text i won't <laughs> respond an email so i i i'm i'd much rather have a conversation with somebody and then the whole text message crap or emails back and forth
0: all right well thank you for your time this was really good i thought
1: you know what, at least I'll be honest, and I think I must say I love too.
0: your honesty. I know, love I Love it.
1: Uh, not what I expected. I thought this was a fantastic interview. Better, better questions than I've had in any other one, so well done.
0: Anything else you'd like to add? No, no. I hit my goals. Yes. Got it. Looking forward to <laughs> re-listening to this. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ulysses Point Conversation Edition. Thank you, Trevor, for completing the interview, but also for listening to many of my rants that make up this podcast. Did you enjoy the conversation? Please subscribe or follow me on any of the major streaming platforms. Please rate on Apple Podcasts or write a review. I love hearing from you and the ratings and reviews do help independent podcasters like myself music by Atch. If you're interested in what I do, mental performance consulting, research, karate stuff, and more, please check out my website embodiedmentalperformance.com or email me at embodiedmentalperformance at gmail.com.